Do you have the ability to not fit in? Do you have the capacity to be in tension with people around you? Do you have the ability to be offensive on occasion? It turns out that that is a crucial ability right at the core of living the Christian life.
I cast my mind to Calvary where Jesus bled and died for me I see his wounds his hands, his feet my Savior on that cursed tree His body bound and drenched in tears They laid him down in Joseph's tomb The entrance sealed by heavy stone Messiah still and all Praise the name of the Lord our God. Oh, praise His name forevermore. For endless days we will sing Your praise. Oh, Lord, oh, Lord our God. Then on the third at break of dawn the son of heaven rose again oh trample death where is your sting the angels roar for Christ the king the angels roar Christ the King, oh praise the name, oh praise the name of the Lord our God, oh praise His name forevermore, for endless days we will sing. sun shall pierce the night and I will rise among the saints my gaze transfixed on Jesus face oh praise
deserve the glory Would you join me in prayer? In this time when there's so much unknown and we're waiting and we're in suspense and we're wrestling with things and we're troubled, Lord, we come before you and ask that you would enter in to every heart, every mind, every body, even now. And this season has felt like a season of hibernation for so many of us, God, that you've kind of had us in a cave stewing on things. And Lord, we, we thank you for the things you've been doing one-on-one -on -one with us. And we bless all of that work. We say, bring it, Lord. We say, call us out on the things that we need to shift in, uh, reconcile in the relationships that are troubled. Lord, we just wanna be powerful people of your love and your grace and your truth. And we're reminded of the uh, scripture in Acts when you got ready to pour out your spirit, Lord. And you said, and it shall be in the last days, God says that I will pour out my spirit on all mankind. And your sons and your daughters will prophesy. Your young men will see visions and your old men will have dreams. And even on male and female servants, I will pour out my spirit in those days. And God, we ask that you would do this and you would give us ears to hear, that we would be able to hear the things that you want us to utter prophetically, that we'd be able to see the visions that you give us and interpret them and apply them in all the ways that you already have planned. God, we thank you that you are the beginning and the end, the alpha and the omega, that you see all things, you know all things, and you are working, seen and unseen. We trust you, God. We, we lend in with faith this morning. In Jesus' name, amen. Good morning, Blue Water Mission, and welcome back to our online service this week. It's November, which is a really exciting month. It's uh, Thanksgiving this month, which is one of my very favorite holidays. Um, and it's also my anniversary right after then, so it's like holidays in a row. Yes! Awesome! Woo! Uh, it's also no shave November, which is a weird thing. I can't really engage in that because I can't grow a beard. So at the end, it looks the same as it did at the beginning. But that's not something you care about. You probably care about the announcements for this week. And one of the things that we're gonna be talking about this week um, is just uh, that Rolo Bright has launched a YouTube channel that's for toddlers and then I think first through third graders. And so um, there's a YouTube channel that you can check out 
if you want to have your kids watching that. And so it's online content, um, so they can just kind of engage with Rolo, but it won't be like a Zoom call. It's like him having like some time with music and then having arts and crafts and a Bible story as well. It's super awesome. So please check out this YouTube channel. Okay, we'll also continue our worship with our offering this morning, but if you are new or visiting to our online service, please feel no obligation to give, but consider this service our offering to you. Um, you can give in two ways. You can do snail mail uh, and write your checks that go straight here to the church office, or you can give online on the fancy new website. As one of the Family Life Pastors, I would love an opportunity to pray for the families this week. Um, so families, wherever you are, if you want to join hands or anything, that's awesome. Um, Jesus, I just thank you so much for the families of this church and for the, the keiki of this church and that we're finding new ways to engage the keiki via YouTube videos and Zoom services. And I just pray that you would have your way through those mediums, Lord, that you would have your way um, and really just use those things and, and uh, like let your spirit be there so that we can still have that feeling of togetherness. Um, and I just pray for the families that they would also experience that feeling of togetherness um, in a time where a lot of people feel isolated, Lord. Uh, so we just give this day to you and we give the families to you and we just pray that you would fill their weeks and their days with joy. In Jesus' name, amen. So I think that seek first the kingdom, I think, means to change our mentality to be the opposite of what man has traditionally done and choosing to love uh, others, choosing to die to yourself and laying down your life for your friends, uh, seeking God first. Seek first this kingdom. So I've always thought about it as like an antidote to worry. Mm -hmm. So I feel like giving things to him is, in prayer is kind of easy, but my problem is I take it back. <laughs> so I have to like keep on giving it. So I guess it's kind of like regular heart checks to make sure it's really, it really is given and I'm really not taking on that extra worry. Yeah, I try to be the person who apologizes first, apologizes sincerely first. That's kind of difficult, but more like thinking like, oh, that's the one who's greatest is the one who's like seeking to restore this relationship first, not the one who's right or the one who like wins the argument. Sometimes it can be easy to like have a very isolated like Christian life where it's just like you and God and like that's like the main focus is just like this very isolated kind of relationship and I feel like it is important to see how God's like heart and will is extended towards people necessarily and like that has to be included as well. Aloha Blue Water, uh, good morning. I'll start with a couple notes that might be of interest to you. Uh, people are continuously asking about when we can meet together and we still don't have a lot of uh, movement here at Palama for meeting as a large group, but we will be organizing some worship nights uh, in a local building, so please stay tuned uh, to your uh, Blue Water emails for more information on that. That's very exciting. Uh, on a personal note, uh, I'd just like to uh, thank everyone uh, who's been supporting my family, uh, as a lot of you heard a while ago, uh, my grandma, Nana. Uh, took a bad tumble. Uh, she broke her nose and bumped her head and was subject to some uncontrolled bleeding for a while. I uh, had to have an induced coma and some intubation and stuff like that. Uh, she survived the tough old gal and she's back home. It will be a long uh, recovery, but I 
just want to thank everyone who uh, has um, offered support or come by to, to visit in some way and give, has given her courage um, and uh, also been patient with me uh, as I've had to attend to that situation. And it's just really good uh, to have, to, really good to be part of a family uh, when you're trying to care for your own family. Uh, bless you for that. Uh, we had a presidential election this week, I think. Was that this week? It's just so hard to remember these things. Um, and, and I just wanted to make a note uh, about that because I think this election probably won't be finalized. My guess would be not until next month. Um, and uh, I, just, I just wanted us to kind of be aware of that. Because uh, one, it's a very close election. Uh, two, there are already demands for recounts, probably rightly so in some places. Uh, the election was subject to very weird voting patterns and surprises, uh, late surprises as it turned out, uh, which stirs people up. Uh, and it was just a weird election anyway because of the mail-in ballots and, and all sorts of irregularity having to do uh, with that. I think probably the whole thing will, will eventually come down to the vote count in Philadelphia, uh, as, I, as I see it. Um, and there's going to be a lot of contention about that. There's going to be multiple lawsuits about that. There's probably going to be some evidence of voter fraud in places, um, because there's always some uh, in, in an American election. But this time, uh, it's going to figure really prominently and uh, people are going to be arguing about how significant it was, whether it swung the election. Anyway, the reason I mention all of this uh, is because the long drawn out uh, contest uh, will translate to m more temptation uh, for strife and hatred and accusation. Uh, and I have a profound fear that no matter which way it goes, um, the outcome will not lead to less radicalization. It will probably lead to more extremity in our political and cultural environment. And as I said in an earlier sermon in this sermon series, uh, it's really helpful to be people who understand the times so that we know what to do. And these are uh, crazy times, um, pressure-filled times. And increasingly, we're going to need the ability to handle um, intense tension and more group pressure and more moral pressure and more political pressure in more uncertain times. And I just want all of us to kind of be ready for that. I want us to be prayerful about it, and I want us to be full of faith about it. Uh, because this is precisely the sort of time in which the people of Christ should be light uh, to the world. Enough said uh, about that. Uh, and we are in a sermon series on culture. We are wrapping it up. Uh, the reason we preach the sermon series on culture is because we are in crazy times. Culture can destroy you without you realizing how it's happening. That's the problem. Uh, through group pressure or moral pressure or by pressure to twist the truth through 
political contention. It can pressure you. It can pressure you through sexual influences and through all sorts of financial fears and responses. You probably feel pressure in the air today. You probably sense that these are extreme times that we are living in. You probably feel a pressure to conform in certain ways or to judge others who don't conform in certain ways. Um, these days, a difference in understanding or opinion with someone can seem like an intolerable sin has been uh, committed. And we all probably sense that in some fashion. So we're in this series on culture and what it does to us and how to live well in the midst of such trying times. One thing at the end of the day that we all absolutely need to know how to do is to be different from the world around us. The ability to stand apart, the ability to not fit in, the ability to give offense sometimes uh, as required by our relationship with God. And this is what the Lord calls being holy. Do you have the ability to not fit in? Do you have the ability to be in tension with those around you? It turns out that that's a really crucial ability uh, right at the core of living the Christian life in this world. Holiness is one of the first concepts that God teaches his people in Scripture, and he does it in a zillion different ways. Holiness, um, the word for holiness in Scripture literally means to be set apart or to be different or to be weird, uh, which is the definition that I like. You see the concept all over both the Old Testament and the New Testament, and it goes by various names. Sometimes it doesn't say be holy. Sometimes it says be set apart, be consecrated, be different, do not conform. All these ways in which God tells his people this is a really vital skill for a mature human being and a believer to have. Think about all the things that he teaches his people, particularly at the beginning, uh, as um, pertain to holiness. Um, have a holy day, right? Remember the Sabbath and keep it holy. It is a day consecrated unto the Lord. Once every seven days, you have to live the whole day differently. You know, why? What's he doing there? Well, lots of, lots of good things, hopefully, but one of them is just to give us a regular exercise of being different than the rest of the world around us. Think of those Old Testament practices like circumcision. Um, what is the value of circumcision to the people of God? I mean, it doesn't really do anything, but it is a mark of difference. It's like, no, no, you're going to do this just to manifest that you're different than all the people around you. And it's going to be a mark that is right at the center of how you reproduce through generations. If that's not clear for you, email Quok for the anatomy lesson and he'll be glad to get back to you about that. But it's just an exercise uh, of difference. The sole use of it is to be marked as distinct uh, in the world. There's all these rituals that God teaches his people to do. And we know that there's no intrinsic value in a ritual. But the Lord was really insistent on religious ritual, particularly in the early days. And he always framed his instructions 
for religious observance by saying something like, do not do as the other nations do. Do not worship as the other nations worship, right? Do not treat people as the other nations treat people. All of it is just exercising his people in the ability to not fit in with the cultures around them. Um, just, just to pick a representative verse from Exodus chapter uh, 19, I chose one. This is right around the area where God gives his people uh, the Ten Commandments. Reading beginning at verse 3. Then Moses went up to God, climbed up the mountain to God, and the Lord called to him from the mountain and said, This is what you're to say to the house of Jacob, which is to say to the people of Israel, and what you are to tell the people of Israel. You yourselves have seen what I did in Egypt and how I carried you on eagles' wings and brought you to myself. Now, if you obey me fully and keep my covenant, do these things that I'm going to tell you, then out of all nations you will be my treasured possession. Although the whole earth is mine, you will be for me a kingdom of priests. There's that phrase that would become famous later in Scripture. You will be for me a kingdom of priests and a holy nation, a holy people. These are the words you are to speak to the Israelites. Like before God started giving them the heavy commandments, God wanted the Israelites to understand that what he was trying to accomplish with these commandments, with these covenants, was to set apart his people. By doing this, I'm going to make you distinct. You will be uniquely mine. The whole world is mine, and I'll get to them. But you have to be different if we're going to pull this off. And the first lessons that God taught him. You following me so far? Be in the world and not of the world, uh, Jesus would say to his disciples. That's one of the ways in which he formulated it. Paul would talk about holiness all the time in, in his epistles. He, would, he reminded his disciples at a certain point, uh, he's talking uh, through Timothy, in the temple of old, there were holy vessels and there were common vessels. Be a holy vessel as a people. Right? There's something about you that is set aside just for God. So God is, is passionate about giving Christians the ability to just be different, to not fit in. It's actually a, um, a core spiritual skill. This is not being different for the sake of being different, because that happens in the world. The exercise of being different is empowering in a certain way, right? Just ask any teenage rebel, right? This is a part of our development for a lot of us. Uh, but really, the value of holiness, as is talked about in scripture, is how to develop our ability to resist the world around us, right? Holiness is a profound form of resistance, um, as it is expressed in Scripture. Paul says uh, to the Romans in chapter 12 of his epistle to them, be not conformed to the patterns of this world. It's a statement about being holy, being set apart, being distinct. And to pull that off, we have to exercise the muscle of holiness. This is not an ability that you just develop overnight. 
It actually takes a lot of doing to stand against the cultural tides. Very few people can be different for long. It's hard to be somewhere and not fit in for a long time. Very few people can truly think for themselves in this world. And these days, I think fewer and fewer people can even stand it when other people think differently than they do. We have lost our ability to navigate even that sort of attention that sort of tension in our culture. Now I say that few people um, can be different. It's hard for people to be different generally, except, I've noted, that even a very young Christian can be different if he or she simply trusts the commands of the Lord. It's very straightforward. Even a kid who trusts simply in commands given in Scripture Trust without complication, without overthinking. Even a kid can stand apart and be light to the world. Because that's a truth about holiness as well. If you're going to be light in the world, you're going to need to be different than the world. And we sometimes forget this. Here's a representative verse uh, from the book of Hebrews on precisely that uh, scripture. Hebrews uh, chapter 12, I'll read, I don't know, verses 14 through 17. The author is again talking about being holy. Make every effort to live in peace with all men and to be holy. Two distinct things. Without holiness, no one will see the Lord. See to it that no one misses the grace of God and that no bitter root grows up to cause trouble and defile many. See that no one is sexually immoral or is godless like Esau, who for a single meal sold his inheritance rights as the oldest son. Afterward, as you know, when he wanted to inherit this blessing, he was rejected. He could bring about no change of mind, though he sought the blessing with tears. Do you guys know the story of Esau? He was Jacob's brother. He was the oldest brother, and he was supposed to get the blessing as the oldest brother from the father, but he sold that blessing to his younger brother for a, uh, for a stew, for a bowl of lentils, because he was really hungry and he really liked his brother's stew. So I said, I'll tell you what, I'll just sell you my birthright. So Esau's sin was taking too lightly what God wanted to give him. Um, you know, just shrugging it off, making, well, it's not all that important. And then by the time he realized it was important, it was, it was too late. And the author of Hebrews is saying, no, you really, really need to think about what makes you special in this world. And you need to double down on that. I particularly appreciate how that short passage started. Make every effort to live in peace with everyone, but also make every effort to be holy. And those are distinct things. And then he follows up by saying, or she does, people think Priscilla might have written the book of Hebrews. Without holiness, no one will see the Lord. Right? Without holiness, you might not see the Lord, but without holiness, no one will see the Lord in you. Because what's being talked about here is your relationship with the people around you. Yeah, sure, you know, be at peace with people, you wanna be friendly, you wanna be accepting, you wanna fit in, but please also remember that you have to be different. You need the ability to stand apart. And if you can't do that, you can't be light 
You can't be salt. You will lose what makes you special. You will lose your blessing uh, on the earth. If you're not different, then you're not a witness. You know, there's a, a truism. People won't come to Jesus on your account just because you fit in well with them. Ultimately, they will only come to Jesus on your account if you're really different than they are. Do you understand what I've said there? No one's going to come to Jesus because of you just because you really fit in well with them or with their crowd. If you're going to bring people to faith, if you're going to bring people to Christ, then there's got to be something profound about you that's very different, very unique, very challenging. So, you know, is there something different about you in the way you pursue morality, for instance? Is there uh, something about the humility with which you subject yourself to truth or really open and honest about truth? Is there something distinctive and notable about uh, your views on sex and sexuality and how you pursue it or behave in that arena? Is there something strange about how you handle money or respond to financial anxiety? Uh, is there something uh, about the way you dignify all people from all different groups around you uh, such that someone can look at your life and see that you defy popular passions and fashions. Do you look weird to people, is what I'm saying. If you do, you're in position to be a witness on the earth. If you don't, then you're not in a position to be a witness on the earth, and you might actually have put yourself in a place of danger like Esau did. Put it this way, are you a challenging person? Many of you are. Now, there are good reasons to be challenging and bad reasons to be a challenging person. But you know what I mean, right? Are you a challenging person for good Christ-like reasons? Uh, we all want to be accepting in one sense, right? We all want to be easy access to people, definitely. We want people to be around us. We all want that. We want to be known for our love and our warmth, right? All that is true. But if we are truly holy, we're also going to be challenging to people. Okay? And we just need to understand that because I think we forget this a lot. And I think it's getting harder and harder for us to remember in this world, in this culture. We need to be challenging to people around us. We need to be bracing. We need to be different. And we have to embrace that part of holiness as well. You know, not just the loving, the easy access, the warm part. We also need to embrace the challenging part. There should be re reasons that people like you wherever you go. But there should also be good spiritual reasons that people are wary of you wherever you go in the world. Are you following me? Yeah? Um, part of holiness is that you must be ready to be unpopular at the drop of a hat. That's part of holiness. Not the whole thing, but it is a necessary part of holiness. You have to be willing to be unpopular, disliked. Um, I've had more experiences of that dynamic than I can possibly count. Um, you know, a lot, as I, I was a kid, a lot of us learned our social dynamics. I was this kid and I was a Christian early on. 
oh my gosh, I got teased all the time about being a goody two-shoes, things I would do, I wouldn't do, things I would say, but things I refuse to say, words I refuse to use, that sort of thing. And in high school, where we all learn our basic social dynamics, right? Junior high, high school, that's where it all happens. Um, tons of experiences with feeling different and awkward for the sake of Christ. High school is a time where we often feel different and awkward anyway, right? Because we're all trying to figure out how to fit in. I'm just so thankful that I had the teachings of Christ in my life uh, so that I learned how to not fit in, in in a super healthy way. I was thinking about this concept this week and, and <laughs> remember this. I still remember it, which tells you how traumatic it was for me. Uh, being told by this popular girl that I couldn't come to a party that everyone was going to because I would just make everyone around me feel guilty because they all knew, right, that I was a, a, a Jesus guy. And then months later, that same girl coming to me weeping because she had had an abortion and she was asking me if there was anything that she could do to feel whole again. And it became such an iconic experience for me. I learned that things that made me seem threatening to people on one occasion made me seem good to people in the end. You guys ever had an experience like that? Um, it's as if you know, people would say to me, I disagree with you, I don't want to be around you, but I can tell you're good, right? There's, there's a distinctiveness there that ultimately might be helpful. Or as I've said uh, oftentimes, <clears throat> you're not safe, but you're good. And I think I come across to people that way a lot. Historically, I've come across to people that way a lot. I, I'm, not, I'm not a safe person to be around. I'm kind of a challenging person to be around. But somehow, people see the goodness of Christ in me because I'm willing to be different. Am I making any sense? Yeah? Somebody give me a shout of encouragement. You guys suck at shouts of encouragement. I had, uh, I had this friend uh, in grad school. She was, she was a character. Um, she was a very deconstructionist young woman, if you remember that word from a couple sermons ago. Uh, she might have been the person that taught me that word, actually. She embraced it a lot. She was uh, a Native American gal. She was very postmodern. She was studying with sociology in grad school. Very, very feminist, militantly so. And she was in my karate dojo. And, uh, it, it, she, was, she was charmingly awkward, and I really liked her. Um, and uh, this was the time when the Promise Keepers movement was, was happening uh, in, in, uh, in the church. I don't know if you guys know what Promise Keepers it was. It was a movement, a men's movement, a Christian men's movement. And they would get, men would get together in these huge Christian rallies and basically repent together and promise to do better for their wives and their daughters and the women in their life. Um, and feminists got really angry at them uh, because uh, they were Christian men doing this and they were espousing traditionalist views like, you know, uh, traditional Christian marriage is important, you know, contentious views like that. And so my friend uh, from school was really upset about Promise Keepers. The sociology department at my school deputized her to go to a Promise Keepers rally to make trouble. That, that was the story. And so she went to this rally. She knew I was a Christian, so she was sort of telling me the story as it unfolded. 
And she came back from the, from the rally. We were eating dinner together at my house with, uh, with the karate club. And she was there. And she said, I went to the rally to get to the bottom of this movement, she said. And then I remember saying, wow, what great people. I was totally surprised. They really embraced her. They dignified her. You know, as a woman, she wasn't even supposed to be there. Uh, but she came back uh, really impressed and said, I told everybody in my department to leave them alone. Um, they didn't seem safe. But when she got the experience, they seemed somehow good, right? Even though she didn't agree with everything that they were saying. Now, it doesn't always work out that way, does it? Unfortunately. But there's a lot to be said for Christians doing their thing and not worrying about what other people think. It's as basic as that. It's as basic as that. Uh, ironically, one place that really takes this ability to not fit in is church. If you've been around church, maybe you agree with what, I've, what I'm saying. I've endured more painful criticism, more rejection in churches than anywhere else in my life. Anyone else? Amen. Now, granted, I've spent a lot of time in churches, uh, and so that's part of it. But still, uh, there is something that causes us to judge our Christian brothers and sisters more harshly than we judge other people, and to feel judged by them more harshly than we feel judged by other people. We tend to forgive our Christians and brothers and sisters less easily uh, for some reason. Uh, in church, we're far more sensitive uh, to whether others are making us feel safe, because we have this idea that church should always feel uh, safe. It should, it, should, it should be a safe space, and indeed it should be a safe space in many ways. But church almost by definition should be challenging too, right? Because we're growing, we're sharpening one another. It should be both super accepting and super challenging. That's sort of the character of, of holiness. Otherwise, church would be nothing more than another alignment group, and we certainly don't want that. That's not changeful. I can't tell you how, how many stories I have of people visiting Blue Water Mission. You know, back when we, we used to gather together, they would come to a Blue Water Mission service for some reason, and they would really like it, and then after the service, when I invite visitors to come say hello, they would approach me and say, oh, I really liked it. There's something about this place uh, that feels good to me. Uh, but I'm wondering if you think I would fit in. I've got that question verbatim a hundred times, uh, probably more than that over the last 10 years. And their assumption is always that if they are in disagreement with the church about some things, and they always bring up political things or things having to do with sexuality these days, if they're in disagreement with the church, then they won't be welcome and they won't feel welcome. And after having that conversation with dozens and dozens of people over the years, I've developed a go-to response. And my response is, well, it depends who you sit next to, right? Because there are <laughs> a lot of different people coming from a lot of different places with a lot of different ideas at Blue Water Mission. Agreement is not a requirement for entry, is it? And, you know, and we're all still growing. We're all still pressing in and changing. And if we do our job well as a church, then everyone will feel uncomfortable about something at some point, or else we're not doing our job. Um, and we see this 
uh, in scripture and groups of Christians all the time. Christians chafe and try to figure this out with one another. Even with Jesus, I was reading in John 6 this week uh, a famous story. Jesus is basically giving a, a He's sort of waxing philosophical on his sacrifice, and, and he makes a statement that makes it sound as if Christians needed to be cannibals. You know, you have to eat my flesh and drink my blood. What he's really saying is this life that we are embarking on is going to cause a great deal of sacrifice, even mine. But it deeply offends his crowd, and most of the crowd leaves him due to their offense. And it's just only his few most intimate disciples who are remaining. And Jesus turns to them after everybody has left him, and he says, do you too take offense? And eventually it's Peter who pipes up and says, well, he, he doesn't say no, <laughs> right? He doesn't say that he's not offended. Instead, what he says is, where else are we going to go? Uh, only you have the words of life. We believe and we have come to know you, he says. It's like, going to say that I like that, but I mean, th there's goodness in life here. So, you know, we know you. We're going we're gonna to hang in there. Um, I, I thought as well, I was having a conversation with my daughter just last night about the time that Jesus goes into the temple and turns over all the money changing tables and drives out the sellers of livestock and makes a whip out of cords and whips people out of the temple. He just, he just goes, he goes nuts, and he gets, he gets violent and clears the temple out. And what we were, we were talking about that story because we were talking about Jesus' willingness to give offense and how vital he himself felt that was sometimes. Uh, we, we need to remember that, that everyone around Jesus, even his friends at times, just didn't like what he was saying and didn't like what he was doing. And, you know, and, they, and they were offended and they needed the ability to navigate that uh, together. All of which is to say that even for us believers, holiness is often not how we expect it to be, right? That the willingness to be different, to be intention, to not fit in, to have people around us that don't fit with us, it surprises us all the time. You know, uh, and the commands of God that keep us holy, that demand our devotion and our difference, the commands of God are not especially complex, but when you devote yourself to them, it often requires the ability to endure rejection or to give offense to the people around you. That's just part of being weird, weird in a God way. Uh, and it will happen in ways that you didn't see coming, which will throw you off, which might take you out, unless you're really committed to this idea of holiness, which is why God takes such pains to teach it to his people throughout the scripture, especially in the early days. You're not supposed to fit in with everyone around you. Uh, you're not supposed to feel safe or to be a particularly safe person all the time. Sometimes, of course, absolutely yes. But by necessity, sometimes no. 
and we need to embrace that. Um, so I will not take my cues from popular culture, obviously. That wouldn't be holy. Uh, I might not even be able to take my cues from my loved ones on occasion. Uh, I might not even be able to take my cues from other Christians on occasion. Uh, I'm certainly not always going to take my cues from my own individual desires. I'm just going to try really hard to take my cues from the Lord. That's the only holiness I know. It's a weird thing. Sometimes it's hard to figure out. It's what makes me a weird person, and I desperately, desperately want to be a weird person. You know, I want to be a loving person. I also want to be a person that challenges. <clears throat> that kind of holiness, what I'm talking about, requires daily workouts. It really does. When Paul says to the Romans, um, do not conform to the patterns of this world. He follows it up by saying, be transformed by the renewal of your mind. And that be there is that perpetual tense in Greek. In other words, it's not be transformed by the renewal of your mind. It's be being transformed by the renewal of your mind. Or some translations will actually translate it. Be transformed daily by the renewal of your mind. This is something that we all have to work on, a capacity to be weird, a capacity to not fit in, a capacity to stand against the currents. We all need to work on that all the time because it's a very unique muscle. We need to get on it. Or, and please hear me when I say this, people, or the culture war we, will, we are in will warp you it will kill you. It will take you out. This is a moment in history where we desperately need the capacity for holiness, for differentness, for weirdness, for not fitting in, the ability to give offense to people. If we are not comfortable with holiness in that way, we will get taken out. And I need everybody to understand that particularly right now, because this is going to get worse before it gets better. The pressures are going to mount, and we need to know that. I have these nightmarish memories in my head. I can't tell you how many times I've seen people have their light quenched by the currents of the world, and I felt like shaking them by the collar and saying, did you not understand that you needed to be weird. Like, did, did somebody not explain to you that your job is not to be well-liked by everyone? You are supposed to not fit in. And I've seen so many Christians die just because they lacked the ability to be holy. They lacked the ability to be offensively distinct. Don't be that person, please. Don't. All right. End of soapbox. Um, ways in which you can work out your ability to be weird and holy. Well, I mean, do a little daily scripture. This is, this is nothing that you haven't heard before. You don't need to be an expert on scripture, but get scripture running through your head daily. You know why? Because scripture is weird. It's just weird. And you need a daily dose of weirdness. 
nothing easier than just reading a page of scripture. Right, read a psalm. Read a few proverbs for Pete's sake. Just, just get it in there. Pray. Pray. Because 10 minutes in prayer is 10 minutes that you're not in the world. And it just exercises the right kind of muscle. Go to church, whatever the heck that means today, whatever it's going to mean next month. Go to church. Do you know why? Because church is a weird place. Blue Water Mission, whatever else you say about it, it's just a weird place. Am I right? Can I get an amen? It's filled with all sorts of weird people. It's just, it's, I mean, it's weird, right? I mean, whatever else you say, it's distinctive. So go. Go. And if you're listening from some other place, go to a different church. Because church is weird in the world. Um, make, a, make a day holy. I mean, have a Sabbath, people. Because you need about one out of seven days just to say, no, I'm not going to live like the world lives. This, this is a day where the world is not in control, where the pressures are not in control, where the anxieties are not in control. I'm just going to be, I don't know, different. I'm going to be godly. I'm going to be holy. You have to honor that, right? Not because it's a legal requirement and God will get you if you don't, but because you need that rehearsal of holiness. It sets you apart. Jesus said, God made the Sabbath for man, not man for the Sabbath, right? It's good for you. It's necessary. It's a type of workout. Um, I would like to suggest an exercise for our fellowship. It's something that you can try over the next month or six weeks, 40 days, something like that. It's an exercise for us. Do some small thing that distinguishes you as a Christian in the, in the world around you. You might not be out in the world very much these days because of the COVID shutdown, but I don't know, you're around people. Do something that makes you look a little bit odd or makes you seem a little bit odd for, for the sake of Jesus. And it doesn't have to be, doesn't have to be huge. Right? I, had, I had a friend who tells a great story about when he was in college and God was speaking to him about the exercise, the development of holiness in his life. And, and he wanted to be distinct in his campus. So uh, he couldn't think of a good way to do it. So he decided to go out and, and buy this huge cross pendant. Or it wasn't like a little gold cross. It was like six by eight inches, you know? And he got all of these buttons that said, you know, Jesus is coming and stuff like that. Buttons that even he found weird and offensive in some sense, but he felt it was more important for him to establish himself as a weirdo than to do anything else. Uh, well, that's, that's a great and valuable exercise. I had another friend who was struggling with sexual temptation and licentiousness in his life, and he just got really upset about it. He didn't know what to do, and he said, well, if nothing else, I'm going to do something that makes me look distinct. So he went out, and he got a big Jesus tattoo across his shoulders. He said, well, if I ever get into a sexually compromising environment and I take off my shirt, the first thing everyone is going to see is Jesus. And even I'm going to freak out at that point. I, I'm, not, I'm not sure that was like an entirely wise go-to strategy, but you appreciate right, that it's just an effort to look strange. And that has some value in it. Um, when I was... Uh, in college, I went to a fellowship, and I don't know, universities, even then, were, were pretty conformist and anti-Christian. And our college had uh, a t-shirt 
that I identified you as a Christian. Uh, it was a, a quote uh, from a Christian author, uh, C.S. Lewis. And I remember the first time I put it on in my dorm, I felt really nervous. And then I had a little minor revolution in my life. I think I wore it for five days straight until even I couldn't stand the smell because I was like, I need to get over this. Right? I need to be able to identify myself. Well, maybe it's a shirt for you. Maybe wherever you're in public eating, you have to pray before meals. Maybe you need to make a point to do that. Right? I mean, in a way, that's kind of like practicing your righteousness before men, which isn't great. But, I don't know, nobody's going to give you too much credit <laughs> for doing it. But at least it's a way of saying, no, you know, there's a little bit of holiness in me. Maybe you simply say, God bless you to your neighbors or your co-workers. Instead of saying, all right, goodbye, which literally means God bless ye, goodbye. You know, instead, just go to the long form. Okay, God bless you. That's simple, right? But it's something. Um, these things, I don't It might be a blessing to someone. It might, it might end up saving them, or it might end up saving you. Sometimes the battles are won with a multiplicity of small gestures that just preserve your distinctness in the world. I don't want to make too much of that, but everybody understands what I'm saying. I'll just finish with this statement again. Ultimately, no one will come to Jesus on account of you just fitting in well with them. That alone will not be enough. Ultimately, they will only come to Jesus on your account if you're really different, meaningfully different, profoundly and challengingly different. Now, I don't know what that's going to look like for you, but I know you have to develop the capacity. And so please figure out a way to do it. Please invest in it. Right? It is not some small thing that you get to shrug off like Esau shrugged off his birthright. Don't do that, or you will find a time that you want the blessing back and can't get it. What we need in this time is the ability to be truly holy for God. Enough said. Father, I pray um, that in the midst of the cultural swirl of the pressures from all sides of the growing tensions and accusations and uh, contests that you would as of old raise up a people who understand holiness who understand consecration sacredness distinctiveness and I pray, Lord, that you would deal with all of us in some way to get us developing even more of it. We want a culture of holiness at Blue Water Mission, Lord. It's not going to be a culture of conformity. It's going to be a culture of differentness in amazing godly ways. Whatever we need to do to get that, Lord. Whatever we need to set aside. Whatever ways we need to practice it. We submit ourselves to you for the accomplishment of it.
We want to be light in a darkening world. In Jesus' name, amen. Thank you for joining us today. If you'd like some prayer after the service, the prayer line is open as usual from 10.30 to 11 a.m. Just email julie at bluewatermission.org and someone from the team will get back to you. The title of the painting today was Living Water. And it reminds me that Jesus offers us living water if we ask him. And for me, that means refreshment, health, and it quenches my thirst for meaning, belonging, and love. Wow, that sounds really good. <laughs> I, would, I would like some more of that. Who doesn't need more of that? Um, we wish you a great week, as they say in our birth believers class. And a healthy one, a happy one, a well-hydrated one. And we see you again next week. Cheers. Cheers.